knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. So there's a reason why I started Blood Origins. And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting. It brings awareness to, to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals. How do I start it? Brittany. My name. My name. Is, <laughs> does my hair look okay? It's my name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Braxton, <laughs> you said something in the car to me. You said that you were living on borrowed time. Mm. There's a perception around who hunters are, what we're supposed to be, and a a feminist that works for a non-profit that is a hunter that has only eaten wild game for the last 20 years is likely not the thing that people think about when it comes to a hunter. Kyle Jackson is a New Mexico land manager. He reached out to me when we were dealing with some contentious topics. And public versus private land is a contentious topic in the hunting community. So Kyle reached out to me and wanted to discuss this idea of specifically the elk allocation in the state of New Mexico from a private landowner's perspective. I really, really love this conversation because it gives you details about how elk management is set up in the state of New Mexico, how the tag system is set up in the state of New Mexico, and brings it to you from the perspective of a private landowner. I'm you don't you don't look very dusty for someone who's supposed to be working on a ranch. <laughs> no, not not necessarily. <laughs> Today's an easy day for you. Yeah, I mean, I spend a, a lot more time in the office than I I guess I really wish or really want to, but uh, that's what happens when you're dealing with a couple hundred hunts a year, so. Couple hundred hunts on what did we say? Five hundred thousand hectares or acres? Acres, five hundred thousand acres. Still, yeah. five hundred thousand acres is ridiculous. And I Absolutely think ridiculous. Biggest ranch in the West. Largest contiguous uh, piece of property in the United States. Um, no way. Are you yeah, serious? Contiguous. I mean, there's there's bigger ranches, bigger properties, but this is all one one big chunk of land. So. Yeah. And you are all for more elk tags on your property or more elk tags in general? Uh, I'm all for more elk tags in general. Um, but but. I, I think uh, 
I'm all for landowners being recognized for uh, the habitat that they provide for animals uh, in the form of some sort of compensation. I'm a, and I'm a, you know, uh, the, the system as it is, um, is pretty well set up uh, with the landowner tags. It doesn't cost the public hunter anything. Uh, it's just an authorization that goes through. But Carl, you, you, you know, you're, you're a private guy and you're, you aren't yourself, not the private guy, but no. you represent a private guy. Private guy has a lot of land as we've just articulated, has lots of opportunities and that's not fair, Kyle. Why? That's not fair to people who want to hunt in New Mexico, specifically residents. Um, define not fair. I mean, uh, it, it New Mexico is 50%, 50% private property, 50% public land. Um, and when you look at elk, specifically elk, when you look at elk um, allocations across the landscape, uh, approximately one, two thirds or, or almost three quarters of them are, are allocated to the public draw. And then, um, and then you have private land allocations um, and about one third of those are actually converted into, into private land tags. Mm -hmm. And so if you're talking about it being fair in terms of the average person drawing a tag, I, I would say it's probably, uh, more than fair as as the public land gets allocated more licenses than than the private land does based on the land status. But if you talk about it in terms of the habitat and in terms of the animal um, and what's good for elk and good for growing elk in New Mexico, uh, I think it's easily uh, easily articulated that. Um, public land owners or public land hunters are getting the lion's share of, of elk opportunity in New Mexico. Let me ask a controversial question. Sure. Not that we like to, you know, we don't tend to steer away from controversy. We like to hit it, you know, on the head essentially and address it. Who do you think are better land stewards in the state of New Mexico, private landowners or the public landowner? By far, in my opinion, it's going to be private landowners and for a couple of reasons. Not, not because the public hunter doesn't want to be a good steward, um, but simply by, by the fact that um, the legislative processes, or not necessarily legislative, the administrative processes to do land stewardship on a landscape scale on public lands is so difficult. Whereas private land and, and a lot of finances, right? Lot finances of finance. that yeah. a lot typically of finances. the state doesn't have and, and the feds really don't have either. Or it has to be it has to be, you know, appropriated through legislative means and all that takes a lot of time. Um, whereas private landowners uh, they can they can do it tomorrow if they want to do it. If they got the money to do it and want to, let's say, uh, thin out a thousand acres of trees 
to create better habitat for mule deer, uh, to create a fire break, whatever, whatever the, mm-hmm. the deal is, put in a water, whatever mm-hmm. they want to do. If they have the money for it and they, uh, they can turn around and do that, uh, they can hire contractors and get that done in a very short period of time. And so um, the other thing to, to discuss as far as that is private landowners tend to be better stewards of the land because they make a living off of it because they, uh, they live there and work there uh, day in, day out. I always like to say that ranchers are ranchers and in, in, are the original environmentalists. Uh, if they, mm-hmm. they treat their property and they treat their resources badly, uh, they're not going to be in business for very long. And so in order to be, uh, to, to sustainably keep in business, whether it's cattle or, uh, wildlife, or wildlife, you've got to have an economic incentive and you've got to take care of that, that land that, that, mm-hmm. that houses those animals. Mm-hmm. So before I, I drop the next controversial question, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself since we've been rambling for six minutes and I didn't even bother to introduce you. Uh, so my name's Kyle Jackson. I am uh, a hunt manager on a, a large property in New Mexico. Um, uh, I'm, I'm not going to mention names, but you oh. can probably figure it out pretty quick if you know the numbers. Um, but I'm also... A public land hunter. I grew I grew up in ranching. Um, got my degree in well, got several degrees, but one of them, my master's, was in in range management. Uh, worked for the extension service here in New Mexico on the agricultural side, as well as in Utah. And then I came back and worked for the New Mexico Department of Game and Fish in law a, enforcement, right? As a conservation officer. Yep, for ten years. And then uh, the past two years, I've been uh, on a private ranch doing doing the hunt management on the private ranch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so private land working, but I, I do uh, the majority of my hunting on public land. Mm-hmm. So going back to what you said before, we, we allowed you to introduce yourself. Um, and dare I say, allowed you. It's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, I heard you say private landowners have the money, have the wherewithal to invest in their property, to um, put water in, put fire breaks in, clear out cedar trees, make better habitat because it's good for the wildlife. A lot so, of people could argue, though, go ahead. that that wildlife is a public trust. Uh, that, and, that, that, and that's not necessarily an argument. That is, uh, that's kind of the rule of thumb here here in New Mexico and, and across the West within what has become known as a North American model of wildlife conservation, right? Does private land fit into the North American wildlife conservation model? Private land is, is, uh, is key to the North American wild model of wildlife conservation. I think because the, the, the public land, um, when you look at, again, and I think it, when you term it as, when you term it as what is good for wildlife, you have to look at habitat and habitat and wildlife. Hold on two seconds. Let your phone finish. I should go turn that off. 
because we won't be able to pull it out of the podcast. Jeez. Desperate to talk to you. Apparently. Not my phone. Office mate's phone. <laughs> Come on. That should be it. Hopefully. <laughs> but So let me go. ask the question again. We'll start sure. again. We'll go back to it. So the idea of wildlife stewarding on private lands and you know being able to invest in restoration being able to invest in in all these things for wildlife is it not going against the idea of this this thing called the public trust and this thing called the north american wildlife model no um and for a couple of i guess simple reasons one a lot of people talk about the North American model of wildlife conservation as if it's this, this founding, this foundational um, document or, or set of principles that was, you know, put into place by Aldo Leopold and, and those. And, and while those gentlemen had, you know, the, the founders of the modern conservation movement had hand in that, um, we didn't really start articulating the North American model of wildlife conservation until about 2001. Um, but when you, when you talk about the North American model of wildlife conservation and, and the idea of the public trust, um, yes, the, the public trust uh, as, as a principle has come out when you, when you look at the decisions that have been made uh, that formed kind of how the wildlife North American model of wildlife conservation came about. But that being said, habitat and wildlife don't know boundaries. And so. No, 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 no. Habitat knows boundaries. Sorry. Habitat knows boundaries, but. Wildlife does not. And I would argue that habitat does not either because you have habitat that crosses public and private boundaries. No, 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 no. Habitat can't move. That's, that's, habitat can't move, wildlife can move. True, but whenever you're, whenever you look at a landscape scale management of habitat, you have boundaries in there that you have to deal with, public and private. Mm -hmm. Correct? Correct. So, um, I, I would say habitat doesn't move, but it does cross boundaries. <laughs> we will and, agree to disagree on two different points. <laughs> sure. Um, and so, yes, the 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 idea of the public trust in the North American model of wildlife conservation, uh, I believe, is a valid, valid, mm -hmm. valid thought, valid principle. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also look at private land ownership, um, and that was kind of a founding idea of of America, anyways. And so, yes. The wildlife, let's say for here in New Mexico, the wildlife belong to the people of New Mexico. But is Correct. that is that landowner not also a most landowners are also citizens, also people mm -hmm. um, within that idea? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So why then 
is the BHA of New Mexico against the idea of the model that is currently in place for New Mexico claiming that it goes against the North American wildlife model. So they... Uh, and if you have to like step back and go through all like the tag sure. system and sure, sure. Yeah. the so A, you know, the, the, the primary zone, the secondary zone, the special zone, because look, look at me. Hey, I know my stuff. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So let's step back and, and look at the, the system itself. Uh, Why don't you tell us their issue first so and then go through it? What it really boils down, and, and I've, I've worked on this a lot. But when you actually look look at when it, the argument of let's say New Mexico BHA, uh, another uh, organization, uh, sportsman's organization that is fighting against the E plus system is the New Mexico Wildlife Federation. When you actually boil down their arguments, when you look at them at a base level, their argument is they want to draw another tag. They want to draw, and really they want to draw another bull tag trophy bull tag, you know, using the word trophy um, here, it doesn't really specify. But uh, the fact is here in New Mexico, all draw tags for cow elk, and I say trophy bull tag because all cow cow, cow tags in the public draw are already uh, resident tags. Mm -hmm. So when you boil down their argument, it's I want to draw another tag. And really what it is, I want to draw another bull tag. Okay. So, um, when you look at our system, uh, our system for elk specifically, it you you can break it down into three different areas, and so you have a primary zone, a secondary zone, and a special management zone. Mm-hmm. Our primary zone is uh, places where the De- Department of Game and Fish, who we have entrusted with that public trust doctrine, they're the ones that manage our wildlife, right? They've identified these primary areas as places where we are going to actively manage elk. These are where these are areas where you would expect to find elk. Doesn't mean you don't find air, you know, elk outside of that area, but these are areas where that are quote unquote core habitat, primary core habitat. Mm-hmm. And so, in that primary habitat, um, you have you know game game units are established in the state, but in at, under that system in that primary habitat in that primary zone they the game and fish has said yes landowners provide meaningful habitat to the wildlife of new mexico uh, so they offer you know authorizations uh people call it tags but there's just an authorization it's just a number on a piece of paper that has to be converted to a tag they offer authorizations to those landowners uh, as a way of recognizing the benefit that it is to wildlife. And so let's take, I'm going to, I'm going to make up a few numbers here just for the sake of it, but um, let's, let's say we had a game management unit where you had 50% private land, 50% public land. Okay. Um, You, they would game and fish manages the animals. So they say, this is how many elk that we can, Sustainable. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. 
predictably harvest based on their population management goals in this unit. And they would allocate a total number of this is how many uh, elk we or authorizations, how many potential elk that we think we can kill. And that would be split 50-50? That would be split 50-50. So 50% of that's going to go into the public system, and 50% of those are going to get set aside for the private land system. Um, and one key point of this is that when you're when people talk about this, they often combine the two systems. Um, they're the their ultimate goal that that they've stated is they want all the private land tags to be done in the public draw and then um, if landowners want they can give um, you know trespass rights but these are two different systems because you're managing animals on on two different types of of land does New Mexico have just sorry? Does New Mexico have like almost like a private land block management model? Um, like exp Montana, explain which Montana. is like so. What it is is private lands get um, so the guys that have private lands they say we're willing to let people on our property, just like you said, to to hunt private right. in that unit, and so it's a almost a. It could be an incentive program. They could get more tags. They could, you know, they get something for enrolling in the yes. program. So we have um, what they call an open gate program. Mm -hmm. And if a, if a landowner wants to allow hunting, private, you know, public hunting on private land, uh, they can receive compensation for that through the open gate program. The E plus yep. is a little bit different. Um, and going back to the primary zone, so 50% of those tags go to the public draw, 50% go to private. Um, ranches that enroll in into the E-plus system in that primary zone, you have a certain number of ranches that are going to have enough acreage. There's an acreage algorithm that they use okay. that says this is a base ranch. This, this ranch is guaranteed to get at least one tag or more because okay. the acreage is there to support elk habitat or a certain number of elk. So that's a base ranch. Those ones get automatic allocations um, out of that 50% in that unit. Then you have small contributing ranches and those ranches can enroll in the system, but if they don't have enough acreage or enough habitat um, to sustain like a, you know, mm -hmm they they get drawn for a tag and so a small contributing ranch may not get a tag every year okay that and makes so, sense and so that's the larger kinda, acreage of farms in the primary zone that do above and beyond ha uh their above and beyond their sort of allotment it wouldn't even be an allotment above and beyond what they would normally do for habitat restoration do they get extra elk tags Yes. So they have, uh, let me pull it up here so I can look at it here. Um, but basically they have the, 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 the landowners or the lands, I, I guess you should say, are um, evaluated on a scale system that basically gives you points for habitat <clears throat> components. Makes sense. Water, space, all that thing. And then it then it adds bonus points for 
being close to something. So if you're close to an agricultural field, you might get a bonus point because that's a place where elk are going to be. And then if you're doing above and beyond, if you're doing extensive habitat work on that property, you would get a, a additional points or allocations. Okay. Um, and so all that's within the primary zone. And so. So the issue with the primary zone is. Unit wide tags. Yeah. 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 Unit wide tags. So whenever you sign up as a landowner, whether you're a base landowner or a small contributing ranch, um, you have to designate whether or not you want to sign up um, as ranch only or as unit wide. Um, and unit wide, what that basically means is you are uh, opening your property to public hunters, but in return, the allocations that you get, the tags, the means you can hunt somewhere else too to hunt somewhere else too. And so the big beef about this system really is about the unit wide tags where landowners are able to sell barter trade tags that are unit wide uh, that can be used on their property or on public property or public ground. Um, but there is a reciprocal one for one relationship for that unit wide tag, right? Not necessarily one for one. So it's just a reciprocal relationship of if it's a unit wide ranch, public landowners can, oh, public, okay, hunters so. can public hunters can hunt the private ranch, but the private ranch authorization is also valid on public land. Okay, let me make sure I get this right. So in a unit, this specific, let's just call it private land A, mm -hmm. private land A gets two elk tags mm -hmm. through the unit wide system. He says, I'm in the unit-wide system, so he can hunt his ranch and any public land in the unit. Correct. As and well if, as any other private land that he can get written permission on. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Or any other private land that decided to get in the unit-wide tag system. Correct. Yep. Okay. And in the same unit, there's 150 public land hunters that drew tags. Those 150 can hunt his property. Correct. And more than likely, that private landowner is not getting 150 tags. More than no, more than likely, that private landowner is is getting uh, very Whatever. very very few tags. Much less. Yes, much less. Okay, got it. Much less. So that's I mean that's really the the main rub. Um, we can talk real quick about the secondary and the special. Oh, where's the rub there? What's the rub? The the rub is that. Um, it seems fair. It seems equitable. The rub is that they don't, they, they, they feel that the, the, again, it's, it comes down to, I want to draw another tag. They feel that those, the landowners and specifically the hunters who buy those tags uh, are getting to hunt their public land. And, and basically it's a cut in the line. They don't have to draw, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. That that's kind of the rub. Um, okay. And let me uh, see if I can find. So with that, that's primary zone. So that's a primary zone, and um, the the New Mexico Council of Outfitters and Guides, and and I'm not, um, you know, I'm not plugging for them or anything. That, but they did a they did a, an analysis, and in the primary management zone. 
um, for total across the state. There's a total of 300,000 and some change private land acres. There's a total of 9,900,000 and some change total public land acres. Okay, so triple. So triple. Total acres enrolled in unit-wide is around 590,000. So you're so the unit-wide hunters are getting but but again, this is broken down by GMU, so it's hard to quantify that. You know what I'm saying? It's not like uh, if you were in in, a, in GMU two that you're going to get um, a bunch more acreage to to hunt, but unit wide acreage, unit wide acreage to hunt. Uh, some units will be well based on that others. number. It sounds like not many private lands enroll in unit wide tax. Depend, depends on which unit you're in. It really does. It depends on which unit you're in. Uh, but, yeah. And so 9 million to 500,000. That's really, that's really the rub is you've okay. got a certain amount of unit-wide tags for a, a small acreage that get to hunt a large acreage. That's the rub. <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. 500, sorry, I'm, my math was wrong. 500,000 to 3 million. But those 500,000 have access to 9 million public correct. land access. That's correct. So that's, okay. the, that's the real rub. Uh, but, so let's talk real quick about the other, the other mm-hmm. uh, zones. You have a secondary management zone, and really that's where they don't, quote unquote, expect to see elk. They're not actively um, managing, again, that's game and fish, managing for elk. And all that's over the counter. Uh, so if a private landowner wants to allow somebody to hunt on his place, they can buy an over-the-counter license, they get written permission, uh, and they can go hunt um, in that area. But it's all ranch only. There's absolutely no unit-wide in the secondary management zone. Okay. And then you have sec- the special management zone. And these there's only a couple of those units, and we actually fall in one of those units. But these are units that fall within the primary zone definition it's prime elk habitat but because of the makeup of acreage so let's take 55a um, the ranch that we're on based on the acreage algorithm if they did it the same as the primary zone that private land would eat up every single tag right in that unit um and so they had to create a special management zone to kind of even that out so that you did have public access and public availability of tags and you had um, private land um, operations as well. And so they get just a certain number of authorizations based on the acreage that they have um, and any incentive authorizations based on habitat work that they're doing. So that's the total system. That's, and, and when you, when you, when they talk about all this stuff, really the rub is with the unit wide system. But in, in my opinion, their, their proposed solution, um, it is, does not work for the state. Does not what work. What is the proposed solution? The proposed solution is to take the entire, all of, uh, all of the authorizations that are private land authorizations and put them in the public draw and make everybody do a draw 
to get an elk tag. And then if they want to hunt private land, they can get um, written permission or pay a trespass fee or whatever else. And there's no, and they, there's in, in their solution, there's no consideration for like extra points for the private landowners based on the amount of work, effort that they're putting on the landscape for wildlife habitat restoration. None whatsoever. They, their opinion is that it should, uh, if, if landowners are to be compensated for providing habitat, that should be in a monetary form. Doesn't that disincentivize landowners to do, doesn't that, wouldn't that model disincentivize landowners to say, well, why am I even caring for the habitat if I can't hunt my land myself? Exactly. And that's, and that's the real argument. Um, when you look at it from a habitat perspective is, um, and, and it, and it, having been with game and fish, I dealt with this. They, they went in the, in the, they had a antelope private land system. And they just, you know, they actually went away with that, that private land system and just made it over the counter ranch only. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that, but basically when that happened, there were ranch owners that said, if you take away this incentive, I'm just going to basically either kill the animals or you can, I'm going to tell you, you can come get them. And so, yes, it does dis- disincentivize. And I, th- they, to me, it seems like they're under this some false pretense that if you force everything into the public draw, landowners are automatically going to allow hunters onto their place to hunt or to manage, you know, to do mm-hmm. management hunts for the animals. And that's not going to happen. Specifically here in New Mexico, um, we have a law they call the Jennings Law, um, and it was put into place to provide an outlet for landowners who were um, experienced depredations by wildlife. Uh, that if if it, that if they could not come to a res- resolution, allowed them to basically kill animals. Um, and when you talk about Jennings Law on its face in that way, it sounds really bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's it only does. been a there's only been a few instances where it's been taken advantage of, uh, where uh, and there's a, there's a cute a few really key instances where it was taken advantage of. But for the most part. What it does is allows landowners to deal with depredating wildlife, um, specifically small wildlife like raccoons, without having to waste department resources on mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. And that's my argument against the monetary, you know, compensation uh, of landowners for that habitat. Is where is that money going to come from? It's going to come out of you know, hunters and anglers pocket pocket because New Mexico game and fish is about 98% funded by licensed dollars in New Mexico. We don't get general fund uh, appropriations from tax dollars. And so we're going to be paying more for animals that we now, nobody can hunt. Um, And when you put, so roughly last year in 2020, 2021 year, 34,000 elk licenses were uh, activated in New Mexico, uh, about 13,000 of those on private land. Okay. So let's say 22,000 on on public land being hunted right now. And everybody you talk to talks about how there's so many people in the woods and too many Mm -hmm. many hunters out there. Mm -hmm. Well, the the proposal for them to take that extra 13,000 and put that in the public draw, that adds extra pressure onto public land, which then drives 
wildlife onto private land again, but now you're not going to be able to hunt them. Nobody's going to be able to hunt them. So I get it, right? Yeah. I get what you're saying. But I also see the conundrum. Sure. I also see the conundrum that is, again, me coming from South Africa, which is a very much a value-based wildlife model that the, the animals belong to the private landowner and nobody can access it except the private landowner. Mm-hmm. Um, the North American model is not that model. The North American model is that it's a public trust and that people, anyone, no matter your level of financial status, no matter whether you are a rich banker in New York or you are a street sweeper in Albuquerque, New Mexico, you can hunt and you can hunt this trust. Yep. However, again, conundrum on conundrum on conundrum, you the, the, the base foundational element for wildlife is habitat. And habitat needs to be maintained. Habitat needs to be worked on. Habitat needs to be, you know, fully uh, integrated into a systems-based approach. Yes. And private land is the best. When so, it comes to management of land. Yeah. And so let me let me also address the 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 statement about the public trust and that anybody has uh, has access to it. I, I would argue that this system still falls within that because even the landowner authorizations that are provided to landowners, those the landowner does not receive automatic compensation for those technically no 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 no. we've already talked about this we had we had this conversation (laughs) yeah you're going to get into this argument about authorizations and it's not technically a tag and he's not getting any money come on man he's going to he wants to sell he's going to sell that authorization to get money he is but my argument is that he's selling the trespass rights and the exclusivity of his private land because the authorization still has to be converted to a license and the money to convert that license goes to the game and fish. And so the, the, the wildlife is still in trust to the game and fish or to the people of New Mexico because that, that animal is being paid for through the license fee. Mm -hmm. There's not Mm -hmm. a change in license fee. Mm -hmm. And there's also any number, there's a ton of authorizations because private landowners are fairly conservative with, the amount of animals that they harvest. Mm-hmm. So there's usually lots of authorizations that are left over that don't get used. The landowner doesn't get any money for those authorizations. That's true. That's true. No, it's certainly a, 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 a one of those contentious topics. And I think that's why you reached out to me. Yeah. I think it was opposed to me talking about contentious topics. And you're like, hey, <laughs> have you heard about our contentious topics? Here in the state of New Mexico, yeah, um, and um, you're right. It's you know high fence, low fence. I was just in Texas dealing with high fence versus low fence, um, public versus private. It's um, there's a lot of discourse that needs to happen. And I, you know, honestly, at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, there's not going to be a right answer here. There's going to be a balance that needs to be struck. Um, and whether or not you have the right balance right now in terms of public tags versus private tags, or I think one of the things we mentioned before in our conversation was 
the idea of, okay, is there an opportunity for a public land hunter to get access to a private land, almost like a special draw kind of scenario. Okay, we hear you. We're going to give you a little bit more access, a little bit more opportunity, and here's the special, you know, special tag, special draw system. Right. Yeah. Now, and I think you know, I, I don't think it's a hard line on on at least on on the landowner side. You know, we talked about um, talked about cow tags in uh, in New Mexico. I would I would highly argue that most of the um, cow authorizations for private land uh, go to New Mexico residents. Um, they get donated. We donate uh, probably 30 to 40 every single year. And the majority of those go to, to New Mexico residents. Um, additionally, me personally, I, I, I have seen issues with the unit-wide system. And, and while I don't think that the unit-wide system necessarily needs to go away completely, I do think uh, absolutely that it needs to be audited. I've run into places on, on public land where we came across a little piece of, um, of unit-wide property, and it was about 300 yards wide, and it was about half a mile long, and it was surrounded by public land. So my question was, what is what is the trade-off here is not worth it. Why, mm -hmm. why are these people getting a unit wide tag? Mm -hmm. And uh, so I do think that that part of the system definitely should be audited and looked at more, more closely, but I don't think scrapping the entire system to put everything in the public draw uh, is the solution. Um, and I could get into a myriad of different reasons for that economic reasons, um, landowner incentive reasons, uh, we probably just don't have time to get into that today, but um, there are so many different factors to to consider. I think I think you're exactly right. Having this dialogue is probably warranted and probably valid. Um, I can't wait to have a dialogue. Is it Jess? Is Jess the head of New Mexico BHA? Um, Jesse, Jess Lorenzo. Uh, no, so Jesse Dubell is the uh, director of the New Mexico Wildlife Federation, and Joel Gay, I think, is the president of the New Mexico BHA chapter. Well, we, we need to have the conversation with them to hear this, the other side of the coin, um, yep. for sure. But, um, man, I enjoyed it. I um, I appreciate you reaching out to me. Absolutely. And, uh, and having, a, having a strong, you know, back and forth discussion, which we like, we always love to have. And uh, I can't wait to come out to your place and uh, and see the restoration and habitat management efforts that private land owners are putting in the ground because I think that's a like we like to say it's a success untold. Absolutely, it's a success that uh, that people don't realize is happening because of hunting and because of hunters. Absolutely, yep, definitely can't wait to hang out. And when that management bison comes up, hey, give me a shout. Okay, I'm ready. Wait. Any old time, you let me know when you want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kyle. Thank you, my man. You bet. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned... No matter where I've been, white tails can be damn tricky.
pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.